This is Growth Decoded to Go, a podcast from a show that helps you grow your business by figuring out the customer experience, one piece at a time. We do this to share our findings with you, wherever you are. Because this podcast is only the audio portion of the show, there might be some references to visuals. But don't fret, because we've included links to the video version of the show in the podcast description. All right, let's get into it. Ahoy there, Internet, and welcome back to Growth Decoded, the highest-rated show in the history of Internet shows hosted by a guy who talks to a plant. I'm your host, Ernie Santarelli, and this leafy green growth machine here to my left is Plantasia. Say a little something to the folks at home, Plantasia. Right you are, Plantasia. Now let's get into the episode. Monetization. What do you think of when I say that? Because I know where my head goes. YouTube. Now this word has evolved in our minds and in our world in the last few years. Businesses were always looking to monetize, sure. But now the word carries a bit of a different meaning. Creators and businesses everywhere are looking to monetize their content, their audience, their following. How can I take my audience that I've grown and cultivated and monetize? Now, today's guest shed some light on how he was able to do it. He's Leslie Samuel, and he went from high school biology teacher to YouTuber, creator, and business coach. If you're looking to build a business or a following, a coaching business or a YouTube channel, one thing that's on your mind, probably from the start, is how do I monetize? Because without monetizing, it's hard to stay in business. But what's the order of operations here? Do you build the audience first? Do you start trying to monetize right from the start? Does it depend on your business plan or your industry? And how do you get started? What channels should you use? Should you go all in on one or have a presence on all of them? What's the best way to get people from consuming your free content to actually paying you for something? Now, lucky for me, and for us, I sat down with Leslie Samuel, who has turned his YouTube channel, Interactive Biology, into a viable and multi-pronged business. His channel has over 200,000 200,000 subscribers, and he's been able to realize his dream of becoming a biology teacher, teaching the things he wants to teach to the people who want to learn about them. I am now joined by Leslie Samuel. You might know him as the MC on the main stage at Social Media Marketing World 2022, or as the mastermind behind the YouTube channel, Interactive Biology. Leslie, welcome to Growth Decoded. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, great, great to sit down with you today. Um, before we really get into it, could you kind of just talk a little bit about you know who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Leslie Samuel, as he mentioned, and um, uh, I've been creating content and putting it online and, and doing that kind of stuff since 2008. I got into it just because I was looking for a way to make some extra money, and I started to find out about ways that you could do that online. Uh, so I started teaching people what I was learning, and then eventually I decided, hey, I want to try something completely different. I'm going to start a biology YouTube channel because I had this dream of being a university professor, but I started my master's, I finished my master's, and then I realized that I hated research. And you kind of need that in order to do the PhD thing and all that good stuff. Yeah, you know, you might need a little bit of research. So I said, forget this. I'm going to, you know, get my degree, my master's, finish up, finish up with that. And then I'm going to start teaching at a high school. So that's what I did. I taught at a high school for a while. But I still wanted to teach the kind of content that I would be teaching at a university. So I decided, hey, I'm learning this stuff about online business and marketing and YouTube and all this stuff. Why not teach what I want to teach, but just do it online? Right. And that's exactly what I did. So I started that, grew that. It kind of went crazy um, in a good way. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, because I had done what I did online, 
it landed me a job as a university professor, but without the PhD, without the research, but because I was creating content. And then eventually I left that job to just do this full time because this is what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about creating content, putting it out there, helping people, and in doing that, building my business. So that's just a little bit of insight into who I am and how I got to where I am. I love it, I love it. You took the, the you looked at the conventional research path and said, yep. no, I'm gonna do my own research and exactly. make my own content, and yep. you still got there. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, okay, so before we had started recording, we were talking a little bit about um, this event that you're putting on. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, it's one that I've done in the past. It's, it's on hold for now. I'm not doing any in the near future or anything of that sort, but it's on the topic of how do you monetize your message? Like, I'm, I'm a biologist, and that's something that excites me. Um, and what I did with that is I started creating content to put that message out there, to put the things that I care about out there. And in doing that, I started attracting an audience. And since doing that, I've started monetizing that. So now I have a business around something that I'm passionate about. That's what the event is about. It's called Monetize Your Message. And I believe that there's so many uh, professionals, there's so many people that have all this knowledge that they've gained over the years that for them, it seems like second nature. Oh, it's no big deal. Yeah, it's just, it's just neuroscience. I mean, come on. Right. But there are so many, so many people behind them that struggle to understand that stuff. Right. And if you can share your message with those people and you can do it in a way where you are thinking about it from a business perspective, then you can build a significant business by doing that. Right, okay, so there are a lot of people you know, watching mm -hmm. that might be small business owners or have a message that they're very passionate about. Yeah and they're either, uh, they, don't, they don't know how to get started or they're a little afraid to get started. Mm -hmm. So like, what, what is your advice? How do you, how do you recommend they, they tackle that? Yeah, so I always recommend for people to think about who they're trying to attract first. Okay. Like who is that target audience? What do they care about? What are they struggling with? For me, just as an example, just to put it in my context, I, used, I, I went to college, I, I, I studied physiology and those kinds of topics, and there were so many people in those classes that were just struggling to understand the professor, and they just wanted to pass their class. Right. They wanted to get through. So because I was clear on the fact that I could serve those people, I wanted to create content for them. Mm. So I want the, the person that's thinking, man, I want to do something like this, to, to think about who do you want to serve? And, and how do you want to serve them? What kind of content are you gonna create for that type of person? Right. And now for me, when I'm thinking through this, I'm like, you know what? These students that are struggling to understand these concepts, they need to see it. Yeah. They need to see it and they need to get it broken down in, in terms that could make sense to them. Right. And that's exactly what I decided to do. I knew who I wanted to target, so I decided the kind of content that I was gonna create, video content, short snippets, so that they can see the things that I'm, that I'm trying to get them to understand. Right. And I started creating that content. The beauty of the times that we live in right now is that it's not as complicated yeah. to start creating content. Right. Like you can start making videos on your smartphone and posting it on YouTube. You can do it on TikTok. I you mean, can do yeah. We're, we're recording a podcast in a in a hallway at a convention center at a conference right Randomly. now. Randomly. So, yeah. And <laughs> what I'm not seeing right now is this complex, massive studio setup or anything of that sort. We have a, a, a few cameras, we have a phone, and, and that's pretty much it. We're creating content. Right. 
this is not a lot of work right now right in comparison to what it used to be right so we're at an interesting time where it's easier than ever to get started and uh, going back to your question what would i encourage them to do get started yeah well, you said a thing um that you had you know who do you want to serve? Who is yeah. your audience? And um, in this show, we focus a lot on the customer experience, right? Like, how do mm. you? What are the things that go into the customer experience? How do you create the best possible customer experience? And one thing that has really emerged is that before you do anything, you have to know your customer. You have Absolutely. to know your audience. Who are they? What are their problems? What questions do they ask? What words do they use to ask those questions? Yep. And it sounds like if you're gonna, you know, make content that really resonates with the group of people that you want to serve, mm -hmm. you have to have answers to all those questions. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and a key part of that for me is you create the content because that's what's going to attract the people. Yep. But then you also have a way to get those people to kind of like go on this journey with you. Right. So one of the, the, the main things that I tell people when I'm trying to get them started in this kind of stuff is you want to be growing an email list. Like, yes, it's uh, this is the line that I say every single time as a, a an online business owner, your email list is your most valuable asset. Absolutely. Yes, you're on Facebook, you're on TikTok, you're on Instagram, but you don't own any of those. Mark Zuckerberg is doing pretty well for himself. <laughs> And it's time for you to think about your business and how you can do well for yourself. And part of that is getting those people that are consuming your free and public facing content to then go a little deeper with you. Right. You have this free resource that you provide for them. They, they sign up to get that free resource. And then what happens next is crucial in the process because what you are doing or what you should be doing is nurturing a relationship by providing them with valuable, almost like insider content, where now you're going a little deeper mm -hmm. with them in that relationship. So could you walk us through, how, how did you start with that? I mean, did you, um, I know that you had kind of studied business and marketing prior yep. to like the YouTube thing. So did you go into the YouTube um, creation with the idea that you were going to eventually cultivate an email list? Was it happening in conjunction? Did you wait a little bit to build up an audience? Like, what By that, that like? time I had learned in, I learned enough about uh, marketing and so on that I realized that, no, I need to start this thing from the very beginning. Okay. Uh, so what I did is at the end of my videos, I would always say, hey, if you want more resources like this to help make biology fun, which was my tagline and it still is, head on over to this URL and then you're going to get access to a free study guide. So I basically, mm. I had my public facing content. I created a study guide that was based on my public facing content and they can go over and sign up in order to get access to that. And once they sign up, they would get little tips and tricks from me. They would get a really cool experiment that I recorded in a classroom with a, a chemistry professor. I don't remember what it was about because it was a whole, a while back, yeah. um, but it was something really cool and it, it involved gummy bears whatever it was anyhow but it was as an exciting experiment and something happened to the gummy bears i wish i could remember this was like back in 2010. um so so i just started sending them content that was relevant to them and i i think it's very important to start that from the very beginning yeah because yes people are seeing you on youtube they're seeing you on instagram and all that stuff but you want to be able to communicate directly with them without all those gatekeepers and algorithms saying yeah uh, you know what, we're going to charge you for access to them. Right. Yeah. So uh, another trend that has kind of come out mm -hmm. is the, the expectation management piece, right? Mm. Like once you know who the people are, what do they expect from you? 
Um, what can you give them to either meet those expectations or exceed them? And if you can't meet them, how do you get in front of that? And, and you know, let them know, like, we're not going to be able to, you know, match the, the shipping that Amazon has because we don't have the infrastructure and the logistics that, you know, we're not Amazon, but here's why you, you know, it shouldn't matter. Like we're going to, we're going to have more care. We're going to take more attention and everything else. So if you can't meet them, get in front of that and be honest about it. So when you're thinking about like expectations, specifically you're, you're driving people from YouTube to your email list and then they start to get emails from you. How much of that is like in your mind matching the message like of the persona that you are on camera versus mm -hmm. the persona that you are in their email inbox. Yeah, I think it's so important. Expectation management is a crucial component and the way I actually look at it is um, there are expectations mm -hmm. and there are agreements. Okay. Okay. And where we often get into issues is when there are expectations that get that are unmet. Right. right? I come to your website, I expect you know, free two-day shipping. And now all of a sudden you're charging me $15 for shipping this item. The way I like to approach that is like this. Let's have an agreement. Okay. My agreement is going to come in the form of me sending you an email that is going to set those expectations. So now you see what this, these expectations are and you can agree to that. So let me give you an example. This is simple and this is not directly related to commerce, but it goes in the direction of commerce. When you sign up to my email list, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to say, hey, as promised, here is the resource that you signed up for. Once from the beginning, I'm showing them that I'm delivering on what you expected. Right. Number two, here is what you can expect from me as we continue on in this relationship. I'm going to email you X number of times a week. Um, uh, each email, the emails are going to come on Fridays at this time. And in those emails, you're going to get one tip that you can take action on. Mm. Okay, so now you know what to expect. Now, if I just start bombarding you with emails and you're like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? that's not the way you set yourself up for success. So you, you, you make it clear, this is what I am agreeing to do. And if we're continuing in this relationship, I like to look at it from the perspective of relationships. If, you can, if we're continuing in this relationship, we are agreeing that this is what you can expect from me. Yeah. All right. Now that extends all the way to commerce, right? If you make it clear, this is what you can expect. This is what we're agreeing to. It's very important to be proactive about that so that they know what to expect and that so that you, you kind of eliminate or reduce those points of friction. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that. Um, the, the thought of it being like an agreement as well. Have you ever been out with your friends or family or maybe out on a date or just in conversation with someone and they take out their phone and they start scrolling through it? Or maybe you're even out with someone whose phone is just on the table. It lights up, they look over at it immediately, even though you're in conversation with them. That sends a subconscious message that you're less important, right? Their attention, their focus is somewhere else. They're trying to be in two places at once and it doesn't feel great. Their effort towards you is less meaningful. Now, it's the same reason why using your phone while driving is illegal and very dangerous. Because when you're trying to be multiple places at once, when you're trying to be everywhere, you end up being nowhere effectively. The same concept applies to your marketing. These days, there are more social media channels than television channels. There are more places to be, more content to consume, more methods to communicate than ever before. And as business owners or marketers, we have a desire to be on all of them. The reason is simple. 
loss aversion. Why would you deliberately choose to abandon an entire audience of people? They could be customers. They could be interested in buying. They have to know about you, right? But here's the thing. When you try to be everywhere, you end up being nowhere, effectively. You don't have to be on every social media channel. You don't have to use every new method for getting in front of people. And in fact, you shouldn't. Now, let's go back to Leslie and hear more about this. So if we're kind of thinking about the, you've got YouTube as a channel, you've got email as a channel. Mm -hmm. Email, you know, more direct, you own it. Yep. How, how do those work together um, mm. with, with what you're doing? Are you making references to YouTube videos that you've put out? Um, I know you mentioned like in the YouTube videos you're talking about your email list, you can get more by doing this. But yes. how, how else are the, how, how are you using those together? Yeah, so this is how my entire system works. I have my videos that are on YouTube, but then I take those videos and I embed them on my blog. And on my blog has a more um, extensive post that goes along with it, with images. For and, every video? For every single video. Awesome. I have an infographic that goes along with it. Like there are a lot of resources that I provide for someone that you've you watched a video but you want to be able to see the main highlights and get some additional resources so I have that available whenever I publish a video I will send an email to my email list and I say hey um, I'll set the scene with something that people are struggling to understand maybe sure. we're talking about the the, uh, the the types of cells in the blood okay. or something of that sort I will set the stage. I will say something like, hey, first name. Um, a lot of people don't really understand the different types of cells that are in the blood. But fortunately, we just published a video on this exact topic. Here, click here to watch that video. When you watch this video, once again, we're setting expectations. This is what you are going to discover. Yeah. Point number one, point number two, point number three. Make sure to check it out and leave me a comment to let me know what you think about it. Talk soon, Leslie. That's my emails. Right. So I like to use one to amplify the other. Yes, I'm using um, uh, YouTube to amplify my email list, but then I'm using my email list to amplify YouTube because when YouTube sees that people are watching this and they're getting value from it and the watch time is high and all that good stuff, they're going to be more likely to recommend it. So more people are more likely to see my videos which means more people are more likely to get on my email list and, it and it's just this, itself, yeah. this virtuous cycle. And I just love that. So, okay, I, I love that too. Um, and that email I think is, is like the perfect example of yeah. setting and managing the expectations, exactly. right? So we're at Social Media Marketing World mm -hmm. and uh, YouTube is one of many different platforms of social yeah. media. Um, as a content creator, do you feel pressure to, to try to put content on all of them? Are you putting content on all of them? And what do you recommend if, if you know, someone is just getting started? Like, it can be overwhelming, right? You're mm -hmm. like, I gotta be in all these places at once. So like, what do you, what, what would you say to someone that like feels that way? This is what I tell people and this is what I do. Um, I always choose one social platform as the primary social platform. Okay especially in the beginning. Yeah. And I focus on that platform. When I started, I was all about YouTube. And I went all in on YouTube, creating video content, but also creating processes so that myself and my team, we know what needs to be done. We, and, and at a certain point, we feel like, okay, I got this. Right. Now, 
we have a little more bandwidth that we can use to expand to the next social platform. Mm -hmm. And I actually will tell people, maybe choose one major platform and a secondary platform. The major one is the one that you're going to focus the majority of your time. The second one, not as extensive, but you're going to use that to kind of do what we just said, one, promote the next and so on to, to help to grow what you're doing. And then once you have processes in place and now you freed yourself up to be able to focus on another platform or to get people to focus on the other platform, then you can start venturing out there. You know, I'm not, I'm not the person that believes that you should be, or you, especially from the beginning, you should be everywhere because all these social platforms, you can get so much exposure because the reality is if you try to be everywhere, you're going to be nowhere in an effective way. Right. So focus in and, and, and understand that platform. Take courses on that platform. Get better at that platform and see that platform start working for you. Yep. And then as you're experimenting with others, you start adding things in as bandwidth allows or as resources allow. Yeah. So what, what we're doing now, uh, because we've been doing the YouTube for a while, I have someone that is repurposing videos from YouTube on some of the other platform, other platforms making images and posting that on Facebook and Instagram and so on. And just kind of ex expanding slowly but surely to where now we have a multi-platform strategy. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. So how do you pick which platform you're going to tackle next? Or mm. if someone is struggling, you know, with which, you know, which platform is going to be my primary platform, what would you say to them? Yeah, you want to take into consideration who you're trying to reach, right. where they're spending their time, mm -hmm. and what you have um, some kind of an affinity for. Mm -hmm. Like if my audience is on TikTok, but I personally don't want, I'm not saying that's the case with me now, but I don't want to have anything to do with TikTok. Right. It's probably not going to work out very well because I'm, it's going to take more energy just for me to get into this platform that I don't enjoy. So you want to take into consideration your audience, where they are, what your skill sets are, and how you think you can best use a specific platform to accomplish your ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. So for me, for example, when I started, I knew that it had to be visual, and I wanted to do videos, and I wanted to show my audience the things that I'm trying to teach. I right. could tell you about a neuron, but if I show you the neuron and point to specific parts, now it's going to make more sense. Right. So for me at the time, it was YouTube or it was Facebook. Now, I looked at Facebook and I saw that the engagement on videos is different. Mm -hmm. Like you can have a video that does well on Facebook. I had a video that got to, this was like a personal video, got to 4 million views in like a few days. And that was many years ago. And it's still at 4 million views because there's like a, a, a peak and then that's it, it dies off oftentimes. And that's what you see. But on YouTube, when you post videos on there, um, they last forever. Right. My, my videos from 10 years ago are some of my top performing videos. So it has a longer shelf life, a significantly longer shelf life. Mm. So because I knew I wanted to go in on video, I knew that my skill set allowed for me to do video and my target audience that they consume video, yep. they go to YouTube and they search for all these topics that they're struggling with, that was the perfect platform for me. Gotcha. Now, maybe you're in an industry that is very visuals and posting really nice images will help you to stand out or help you to accomplish what you want to do. It's, it's that kind of a visual experience. Well, maybe you're going to be focusing more on Instagram. Maybe you want to create short, quick videos and TikTok seems appealing to you and you know that your audience is there, then you might 
to TikTok and you might share that over to Instagram Reels and so on and so forth. Right. So it's a matter of evaluating who is my audience, where are they, and what can I bring to the table on the different social platforms that they are on. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so moving into this, the monetization part mm. of, of monetize your message. When, when do you start with that? Like, how do you, you kind of get, because right, there's a barrier to entry, like you yeah. can't monetize from the beginning if nobody, if you don't have an audience. Um, so how do you ultimately get to that point? And when do you know that you're ready to do that? Yeah, you know, my, my opinion on this has changed significantly over the years. In the beginning, what I used to tell people is, um, when you're, you're trying to build an, a, an online business, focus on content first. Mm -hmm. And just go all in with content. Don't worry about monetization. Have that come later. Um, I don't think that's bad advice, okay. but my advice today is different. My advice today is you want to be thinking about monetization from the very beginning because you're trying to build a business. Right. And I used to look at selling as this bad thing that you, you kind of have to do it. I mean, if you want to make some money, it's a, necessary it's, evil. Yeah, it's a necessary evil. But what I've come to realize is that selling when done right is actually providing value to your audience. And in some cases, if you don't charge you are doing your audience a disservice because you're getting when you charge you're getting someone to invest in themselves mm. when i yeah, i've gotten so many free ebooks that are chilling on my laptop and they've never seen the light of day but if i spent a significant money on that thing mm. i'm man i'm gonna get as much out of it as i can because i'm invested in this process right so i actually look at it now how can you best serve your audience it's best serving your audience if i'm teaching people to to build a website or something of that sort they need hosting Okay. If I'm teaching people to build their email list, I mean, to build their online business, they need an email list. Right. I'm not going to not promote it to you because I don't want to do that icky selling thing. I'm doing you a disservice. Right. So I, I personally now like to think about monetization from the very beginning and you build it into what you're doing from the very beginning. If you're taking this as a business, that doesn't mean that man, you just posted your first video and you say, Hey, I'm teaching you to build a website. You should sign up for active campaign. Now you're going to make a bunch of money. <laughs> you might make $0 and zero cents from that. But if you're providing value, and you're doing it consistently. And, and over time, people start finding your videos and you're talking about building your website and setting up your email list and you're showing me how to do it. I'm like, oh, I can do this. And I go and I, I, I get my hosting, I, I get my email list, I set it up following your instructions. Now, I'm, I'm getting to trust you more because when you make recommendations and I take action on it, I actually accomplish something. Mm -hmm. And you, you just monetized by doing that right in that situation not monetizing is actually holding value back from that person and that's not the way you're going to build a business right you want to build your business by providing value and when it makes sense in doing that you're going to sell people stuff you know that's that's the way i look at it now so i think about if I'm going to start a new business online right now that's content-based, I'm thinking about monetization before I post that first piece of content. Mm, it's like a goal you're always working towards. Exactly. Yeah. 
I, I really like that idea of, of the fact that it could be holding value back or even just yeah. like devaluing what you're doing. And that point about the ebooks exactly. is, is such a good point because if it's free, then it's just like, it's kind of passive. It's yeah, just it's like, that, yeah, of it's course I'm going to grab uh, it. Yeah, let me grab it up. Right? If there's stickers on a table here, you're just walking by and like, oh, cool. But if yeah, it's like you actually sit there and you invest time and you talk to that person, that sticker's going to mean more. I mean, that's exactly. one way of investing. But if it costs money to buy something, like that's also another. Absolutely. The, the importance level just skyrocket and not just that what it helps you to do is it it actually helps you to provide more value if you can do this in a way where you're making enough money then you can start building a team you can start investing in equipment you can start doing the kinds of things that is going to serve your audience much better so it's it's like it, it's your responsibility to do well mm. when you are trying to build a business for the people that are working with you or working for you, for the people that will be working for you. The better you're able to do, the better you're able to serve the people that you're trying to serve. Mm. I love it. Um, in your opinion, mm -hmm. what is like the number one thing that you're doing that, that leads to like a, a positive customer experience? Or what is one thing that you've maybe realized that you were like, it was an aha moment where you're like, oh, I, I changed this or tweaked this or wasn't doing this. And now my audience seems to be, you know, way more engaged or having a better experience with me. Yeah. So um, I'll give one example of that. Um, I used to do coaching. Okay. I know I still do coaching, but I used to, the way that I used to do coaching was very impersonal. You go here, you fill out a form, um, and when you fill out this form, I get some certain information. Depending on the information, you'll get an automatic res response back and all of that good stuff. Uh, eventually, I started doing coaching in a completely different way. I started doing coaching by coaching people. And it sounds kind of crazy, I know, but I will get someone on a call and coach them. And I will coach them for 90 minutes. And I'm coaching them as if they're my paid client. Mm. I'm giving, I'm not holding back any value. And that's the key thing. I'm not holding back any value. I'm giving as much as I can to that person that is just getting to know me. When I started doing that as a coach, that's when I started really making money as a coach. Mm. Yes, it took my time up front, but what would often happen, no, what would usually happen at the end of that coaching experience is without me pitching them anything, they're like, okay, how do we, how do we keep doing this? Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, the, the sales process is a completely different type of process. It's a process where it's not how do we start this, it's how do we keep this going? All right. Well, I, I can't think of a, a better way to, to wrap this up than that. Leslie, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being a, a guest on our show in our, our hallway studio here at Social Media Marketing World. Really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Leslie mentioned something in the course of the interview that I can't stop thinking about. It was the idea that your lead magnet or your gated content offer that gets people to sign up or subscribe to your email list or your social profiles, your lead magnet shouldn't be the first step. Instead, your lead magnets should have lead magnets. What does that mean exactly? Putting out a free guide or an ebook or a free consultation call, that's all great. But putting that out and then driving as much direct attention and traffic to it as possible might not always yield the results that you want, or frankly, the results that you deserve. If you're starting a business or a side hustle, you want to put something out and get leads, leads, leads right away, right? You can't sell effectively without leads. 
and you can't get leads without a subscription. So it logically follows that you can't get subscriptions without a form and a lead magnet or gated content, right? That would be the solution to all of this. Now, a few episodes ago, Justin Welsh sat down with us and talked through the idea of building the audience before you need it. He talked about making noise online for nine months before launching his business. He put a ton of content and ideas out there. He had conversations with potential customers, and then he listened back to the signals for what was resonating with people, what they wanted more of, and what they wanted more of from him. And then, when he launched, he had a large group of people already listening to him, already engaging with him online, and already with the base level of trust that's necessary to get someone to take an action. Those nine months of making noise for Justin and those free high-value YouTube videos from Leslie were the lead magnets for their lead magnets. When they first introduced the idea that you could get more, that they had something more to give in exchange for an email address and some contact information, they had success. They had to earn the attention first, and that gave them an opportunity to earn an email list subscriber, which in turn created another opportunity to earn that subscriber's business. So, while it might not make sense logically on the surface, the best way to monetize your business is to start by giving things away for free. Eventually, you'll have built up an audience and built up the trust, built up the expectation within your audience that you have something both desired and worth paying for. And you'll have checked all the necessary boxes to start to monetize. And that's our show. Thank you to Leslie Samuel for sitting down with us and sharing his story and his insights. Thank you all for your time and thank you for watching. Until next time, I'm Ernie. This is Plantasia. This has been Growth Decoded. Go forth and automate. Thanks for listening to Growth Decoded to Go. For the latest updates on Growth Decoded and links to the live show, you can sign up to be a part of the Grow team at activecampaign.com slash events slash growth hyphen decoded.